Welcome back, everybody. We've got another Dirt Talk episode for you today. I think this is episode 42, and today I'm sitting down with Mr. Derry Langfit of Rock Bottom Enterprises in the great state of Alaska. Hey, Derry. What's up, man? Thanks for joining me on a Sunday, and, and like you said, after uh, plowing all night, I appreciate it. you got better places to be, so thanks for stopping by. Heck yeah, I took a little tiger snooze and we'll get on the old build with podcast yeah yeah that's uh yeah it's a sunday right now it's a very like i was saying a very unprofessional production um <laughs> but glad glad we could get you uh, in in uh I'm, I'm excited to talk to you because you i mean alaska working in alaska it is a little bit different than the lower 48 yeah it's definitely got its uh list of challenges um you know i always say alaska is kind of like a big island because you know to get up here it's the main way is is like freight over the water and then the, the alcan i mean we're we're three day drive before you even touch the border and a, and a day from the border to where we live alaska is just is just huge so logistically getting stuff is just makes it a challenge all, all kinds of issues getting stuff up here and we're kind of pretty isolated but it's worth it are you from alaska yeah born and raised i spent a little bit of time everywhere else my dad has lived here solid since like the eighties. And then I've been back since Oh seven and lived solid back in Alaska, but I spent some time, my parents are divorced. So I spent some time down in the States all over like Northwest uh, United States when my mom lived out there. And then, like I said, came back in Oh seven and I've, I've been here since, but my dad's been here for 30 years, almost now 35 years. Good grief. And you, so you have your excavation company. Mm-hmm. Would you call it an excavation company? Is that primarily what you do? So no, we're we're pretty blended. That's the way I want to move, right? So this was our fourth season, our third year since I started out on my own, and then so you know the first couple of years you just do everything you can just yeah. to get established. Yeah. The the trouble with landscaping is is one. It's like I I like to I love the creativity side of it. But we're kind of like bottleneck because we are in Alaska and I get to see like all these guys, especially on like social media, all the cool materials they use and everything. And it just prices people right out of jobs. And then it's also really labor intensive. And so, you know, we can do in a week, excavation wise, number wise, we can do so much more with two or three people. And, you know, there's like, I, I always make the joke, like if you get a big commercial landscape job that has 12, 1300 plants and shrubs, you know, two, three guys just aren't going to do 12, 1300 plants and shrubs efficiently. You know, you have to have a crew and then more crew, more headache. So, I mean, I don't know. We're trying to get away from it, but this year we've actually been pretty lucky to get into some jobs kind of to put that to bed. I don't think we'll ever fully put the landscape to bed. Um, We'll always do some of it, but through the last three years, I've kind of proven that it makes X amount of money per year. And without doubling crews, doubling, you know, more skid steers, more mini excavators, more super capital intensive, like the, it just doesn't pencil out to, to try and make it any bigger. So we're, you know, building the company towards excavation and larger, larger excavation jobs. It just takes time. But you got your start in the landscaping Part of thing. Yeah, so my, my background is uh, commercial landscape. Um, I worked for a firm 
for six years before I started my company. We actually specialized in some pretty unique stuff, like some high-level riverbank restoration for salmon habitat. Nice. Was prim- primarily what we did there. And then a lot of large-scale commercial projects, you know, like, I mean, plantings in the, you know, two, 3,000 plants and a couple hundred trees per job. And then we did a lot of commercial hydro seeding. So, and then when I started my company, I wanted to, I've always wanted to get away from it. I've always wanted to be more of like a civil contractor anyway. So what was the moment in time where you decided to go off on your own? (laughs) Well, if you, if you kind of guess my, my company name is rock bottom enterprises for several reasons. Yeah. So I actually got fired. It was a, it was a huge misunderstanding. I just communication. My, my boss at the time, I, I love him to death. I, I appreciate him immensely, everything he taught me. But he, uh, we kind of got crossed up on, on a situation. He lives out of state and commutes. You know, most of the time I, I managed his company. I was his superintendent for six years. And is this a lack of communication on my part? And he ended up firing me over it. And so that was, it was kind of weird because that was like my identity. I just loved that company. I loved you know, I'm always the guy that like, I, I treat it like it's my signature on every job. So I was, I was honestly devastated that to get fired, I'd never been fired. I'd always been a really good employee and it happened in like middle of the summer. And, you know, you go from working a hundred, 120 hours in a seasonal company, you know, seasonal job to just like, that was my first summer. Like I do, I work, work for a buddy of mine, went back to the oil field at the end of the summer, but I just took the summer off. And then I just started telling everybody that I was going to make my own landscape company, just like organically, like friends and family, just, Hey, you know, I can't do it this year, but next year I'm going to start my own company. And I actually kind of talked myself back against the wall because come springtime, I was like, well, shit, I better do it. Yeah. <laughs> everybody. But so I was kind of, that was kind of like a, like, because I, I just connected with that job so much. It was just such a, you know, like a, I just felt like a failure almost. But I so I came up with my name, Rock Bottom. I was like, well, I'm starting from scratch, from ground zero. So the best foundation to build on is solid rock bottom. So I I just told everybody about it and then started my company the next year. But but yeah, it's a uh, don't don't borrow your boss's stuff without telling him. <laughs> so so no, that's I, how it happened. It's, it's led to some amazing things. So I'm. Um, super fortunate with everything works out. So it all works out. But at the same time, like while you're going through it, it really sucks. Oh dude. Yeah. Especially like me, like I said, I've, I've always been the employee that I act like it's my name on the door. I treat everything with respect. I treat everything with like, it's coming out of my own pocketbook. Like I paid for the equipment. Like, you know, I just have that intense understanding of what it takes to build a dream and working for somebody, especially small, small, companies you know where you're you're under 10 guys you know like it's just it's just that atmosphere so to be let go from that position especially i had a a great run with him we did some crazy cool projects and then just to have a a small miscommunication just light everything on fire just really sucks so it was a big hit to my ego for sure it took me a little bit to bounce back from this that's for sure well that's like the situations in which you had the best intentions and it still goes terribly wrong are, are the worst. Like if you know you screwed up and then you get your ass handed to to you, you're like, all right, no, I get it. Like I, I deserve that one. 
But if you had the the purest intentions and you're doing you're you're busting your ass and then it still ends up in a bad direction, which some stuff just happens. I mean, job, yeah. relationships, you know, bad accidents or whatever it may be, it it's it, that's like the worst where you just were not like blindsided by it entirely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, it uh especially like I made really good money working for him, you know, I I'd make a year's full of, a year's worth of salary in five six months it was an it was an awesome job and then i would work another seasonal job because that's you know with alaska we only work five six months out of the year so i had a pretty good gig going i'd finally found a good winter seasonal job that obviously being alaska there's a lot of oil field there's a lot of oil stuff you know there are all kinds of different careers in the oil field which i've i've worked in a ton so i finally found a job that you know i had about a month between seasons i would chill out for a little bit maybe go on vacation or or do something and then i would fire up another seasonal job working for a big um oil field service company on the north slope of alaska and so i had like i had the gig man and then it just all went to shit (laughs) but so So. why i mean why starting a company the next best thing to do like how's that the natural progression i was always working towards that so Uh. it's funny I, i used to you know, I've always wanted to be in equipment. My my dad had that background. You know, I've always wanted to be an equipment operator. I've ever since I was a kid. I was just the typical kid story. You know, I played with them toys in the sandbox, and I wanted to grow up and just have a bigger toys and bigger sandboxes. So, I was always working towards that. And I always used to tell myself, well, if nobody's going to give me a chance on an excavator or a, or a piece of equipment, I'm just going to build my own company, and then nobody can tell me what to do. Yeah. So. I was always working towards entrepreneurship. In fact, I, the plan was to buy my boss out. I wanted to, you know, work for him until probably my early mid thirties, and then give him give him an offer to to buy him out when he was getting close to retire. And it was I don't think that company will be passed down to you know within the family, so it it might get bought out later on. But you know that was my plan, and then it just accelerated it. You know I, I've been the kind of guy that a hundred percent you know i started that job at the end of october everybody called me crazy because i was going in the winter working for a landscaper and it's i mean it, it was the best six years of my professional career until i started my own company so i've always career decisions i've just been head first no fear like and i think that's a pretty key component of owning your own business because you get kicked in the nuts so many times but yeah i just i was always working towards owning my own outfit it just happened a lot sooner than i had planned that's for sure that's why like i initially wanted to start a construction company the entire rationale behind it was i wanted to run equipment whenever i wanted to and that yeah. was the, the the only logical way to do it as as I, I saw it like i well if it's my excavator i can run it whenever i damn please although yep. that's not really how it works even when you own a yeah, business no. <laughs> the you could get the less you get in the yeah, yeah yeah no i know <laughs> I, yeah I always call it, it's just, uh, you know, you're just like building a company, you're just like a firefighter and you just wake up and you put out the biggest fires and, <clears throat> and by building a company, you start this insane inferno and you just have to feed it, it just, or, or it'll go out. So, you know, you, everybody knows the story. You start out, you love the work you do. There's no secret. I love running equipment or I wouldn't do it. But then all of a sudden now you're, you know, running jobs, you're running payroll you're running quickbooks you're running all these things that you nobody told you you had to do and you're learning you know you get a call from the state of alaska that you didn't have your 
you know, social security uh, forms turned in and you're like, what? Yep. What you mean? Yeah. Like, or you get, you just get these, you just get these hard gut checks that, you know, it's so much more. I used to think I was a badass superintendent and I, I made, I made my previous employer a ton of money and I, I'd love calling him and like, dude, job's done, bill him, you know, ahead of schedule, like always. And then you, you start trying to run a company and you're like, man, I suck. Like, <laughs> Like uh, I've always been on the mentality, it takes ten years to be good at something, so I probably shouldn't be good at running a company quite yet. Yep. But there's a lot of daily reminders that I'm not good. Yeah. <laughs> well, I got a, uh, I got a letter from the Treasury Department. I think yesterday it was in in the Internal Revenue Service saying I had screwed something up pretty major, and that I need to rectify it immediately, or else I'm going to be yeah. extra screwed. And you're sitting there like. Man, like, come on! I'm trying my best here. Like, I, I yeah. don't need you guys on my ass too. I have enough going on. I don't know how many times I've had something happen, and it's just like you just look at it like a hundred foot tall wall that you don't know how you're going to climb. And that's one thing that's cool is being able to reflect back on things and and seeing all the problems you've been able to solve. And like that's kind of what builds my confidence going forward. Is is that we've had a lot of setbacks, especially since I started my company. Like what? You know, oh, so the first year went really well. We, uh, you know, I had one of my really good good friends. He actually works for me still. Uh, was able to put him to work, and that's what like one of my main goals is is providing for my my family, but also other families. It, it's like a, an immense sense of pride that I can have employees, and I can get work, and they can keep working. Yeah. You know, yeah. So my first year is really low key. We did really well. Didn't really have any setbacks, you know. Learn, learn some, learn some lessons. And obviously, one of my favorite sayings is, "You can go to college and pay for it, or you can learn the hard way and pay for it." You know, so expensive lessons are are the some of the best lessons. It's just trying to get through them. So my my second year of business, we took on a project, a, a large landscape commercial landscape project, and it was state funded. So anytime in Alaska, it's a, a right to work state. So it enables the you know Davis Bacon wages, prevailing wages, which as an employer, you know you're looking at an overhead of eighty to a hundred and five dollars an hour, just what it costs you for yeah. payroll, you know, yeah. for a guy to work. We did this project on a on a handshake deal with a friend of ours that owned a general construction, you know, like excavation company. I presented the job to him because I just I just didn't have the money. I couldn't afford to fund that whole job. But I wanted to do it, and I wanted to do it as like vindication to myself and to the other people that I'd left behind in my previous job. That you know, like I was, I'd arrived, I was here, mm. I wasn't screwing around, I was going for it. And uh, like I said, it was a handshake deal, and it ended up being, you know, I took him the job. I didn't know how to bid that kind of work, so he helped me with my bid and kind of steered me in some poor decisions on like you know overhead recovery for the that high wage and stuff like that and actually what they charge and kind of took me to the cleaners at the end of it and i was too i wasn't ballsy enough to just stop and say hey man this isn't what we agreed on it's kind of changed a little bit we're doing more than the price i gave you as a subcontractor i just was like man he'll just make it right he'll just make it right yeah i've known this guy for a long time he'll just make it right but we ended up uh I'm always afraid to do the numbers legit, but we ended up losing about fifty, sixty thousand between payroll, extra work that wasn't like, you know, wasn't 
agreed upon and then wasn't paid for, you know, like just because it was, like I said, a handshake, no, no contract. And then that job was in August. And then the end of September, we had a truck, a tool trailer, and every tool I'd ever purchased in my entire life stolen. And, and most of it wasn't recovered. So not only did I lose 60,000 on a project, I lost 40,000 in tools, got some of them recovered, but it also moved about forty, fifty thousand dollars worth of work to the next year because I literally had to go to my clients and said, "Guys, I just, I just had everything I've ever owned, like, to do do the jobs I need to do for you stolen." Yeah, you know, I just had all of my hard work taken from you, and so it was just a compound effect. You know, we we took a hundred thousand dollar loss the second year out on a year we probably, I think we only made four hundred thousand. You know, and obviously people that run their own businesses obviously know 400,000 sounds cool but that's not all of it almost all of it's spoken for yeah. especially when you're building a company yeah so it uh you know honestly I'm I'm blessed enough that I had I had really good relationships with my vendors I had really good relationships with the people that supported me and I just had to I mean it's one of the lowest things you as a man you know you want to provide you want to succeed and you you never want to I never want to open people money so i had to come to him and just been like man i don't i don't know when i don't even know if i can get you two three hundred dollars you know i'm gonna be working for wages the whole winter that i'm gonna do everything i can to pay you back but i mean i like i said i had a hundred thousand dollar loss and i owed almost that much so luckily we uh it's taken until this year to dig out of that hole because the next year obviously you're paying for the year before and the new one yeah yeah, it was a tough pill to swallow, man. Second year out, lose that kind of money at the end of the year. I mean, it caused a lot of issues. There was also, you know, I kind of call it my, my fiance, fiance and I were uh, kind of dream building at the same time. I was, I started my company throughout that first year and then she got accepted into a dental hygiene program in Utah. So she was going to school full time and I was trying my best to support her and also build my company. And, uh, it was just a, just a stressful couple of years. We, uh, luckily we we're, we've been blessed to get through it, but I mean, it was only because of relationships we'd built and trust we'd built with vendors and, you know, people that we owed a lot of money to and just, just being straight up and being like, man, I, I might be able to do $250 this month. A thirty thousand dollar, yeah, you know, material bill. Well, it goes or something like that. And like relationships, just, like with with your vendors. I've, I've relationships in general. Like you don't know when you're really gonna need to lean on people. So I have like everyone that's ever supported our business to this, like especially now more than ever before. Like even attorneys and and people like that. I try to really take care of that relationship because you have no idea when well i mean when things are going to go wrong it's it's just a matter of when not even if and yeah, when they do go wrong right? like you do want that relationship there that's pretty damn solid for them to know like hey i'm not a shitty person i'm in a tough spot i need some help can you help me out if we didn't have those relationships ourselves like i would have went out went out of business in the first year like there was a moment in time oh, yeah. where i was just done i called on a relationship of mine they came through for us with really I still don't know why, but, but it worked out and, and 
everything's great. But at the same time too, it's like, it's tough to have a year like that because you're busting, you were probably working the harder than you ever had before that year. And then you end up losing money at the end of the year. You're like, why the hell am I doing this? What the hell's the point? If I, if I'm busting my ass harder than ever before and I can't even make money, what, what, what am I doing? And you lose, you know, and especially I always, once you start getting into a level of contracting, you start just viewing money differently. Yeah. I I don't, it's kind of weird. People don't talk about the money side. I know you have a little bit, but you know, I'll bid projects now in six figures. And when I started my company, I remember the first $7,000 job I got. Dude, I, I just, I felt like weird getting the deposit. Yeah. Like, man, I mean, I'm worth it, but it just felt weird. So like, it took me a long time just to feel worthy to take people's money. I used to be really bashful and sheepish and be like, you know, Hey man, we got, we got some bills coming up, you know, we'll just uh, finish up on this invoice. That'd be really nice. Thanks. Okay. Bye. You know, and now it's, it's just part of businesses, but, and then so to lose, like a really, really good year's salary in a blink of an eye, you yep. know? It yep. just it just hits different when you're talking sixty, eighty, hundred K. And obviously there's people with a lot bigger problems. And that's you know, that's the one thing about it is is you think your problems are big and then somebody's like, dude, we, we took a hundred million dollar loss. Yeah. And it's just like Yeah, yeah but but it's all it's it, it's perspective at the same time. Yeah. Because it's like they, I mean the loss is a loss. It's still yeah. as yeah. bad as the other guys. But it's <clears> just a weird I've always been fascinated by the neglect to talk about the money. So for coming up, if you wanted to build a company, you know, and I think you, you and I are both involved in something that has really changed my whole year is the Arte syndicate. Yeah. You know, I wish I really had something like that, which for, if people don't know, it's a, it's pretty much an entrepreneur development and, you know, just this, this group of, of like-minded people, but I had nothing like that. I didn't even know how to form an LLC. I didn't know how to, file stuff for the state of Alaska to become a licensed contractor, you know, all this stuff. I didn't know anything about the money side of it. You know, it's just, it's all trial by fire and, and you got to learn quick. <laughs> well, and I, it, it's frustrating. People just don't talk about money in general. And I'm trying to create a business in which talking about money is, is common. Like this is how much a contract is worth. This is how we're determining if we're making money or not. I share, every three months, exactly how much money the company's making and where the money's going, how we're spending it. So, so just to get, to create a conversation around, here's how money goes in and out of the company. Here's how it works. Cause I don't think it's money. Money is how everything goes around in the entire world. And I tell, like, I tell everyone at this company, it all starts with money. Like people want to talk and be all like, wow, Mr. Virtue. Like, no, no, I don't. I don't like money. money. Yeah, no, it's not about the money for me. Well, it's like, okay, so you feed your family on goodwill. Is that it? Or you pay your mortgage with goodwill? No, you use money. Like everyone needs money. It's how the world goes round. And, and understanding the money is not just a business owner concept. It should be an everyone concept. Like an excavator operator in the field should understand how the job was bid because they can do a better job actually digging and building the job if they know where the money's at and where it's not. But then these companies don't share that information with these people. And then they get frustrated when they're beating the hell out of some cost codes and then ignoring other cost codes. It's like, well, you didn't tell them how you bid it. So how do you expect these guys to know what, what they're doing? Yeah. I preach it all the time, especially. So us being small, one of the things I kind of wanted to talk about was, you know, how to get started and how to be successful in like a, in an excavation company as like a laborer, if you want to become an operator, 
Um, one of the things I do with one of my employees, Blake, he, he, uh, he just finished college for a, a degree in business. And, uh, you know, obviously with the COVID thing, he, he came home, didn't know what he's doing and he'd worked for me before. And I said, Hey man, how, how about you just, I know you don't know how to do the job, but how about you become my superintendent and I'll teach you how to do the job. And one of the main things I do is if you, if you can successfully run a job, you need to know the numbers of that job. Yeah. You need to know, you know, dicking around on this labor item, there wasn't, okay, I, I screwed that bit up. I might've not put enough hours on that. And I need you to understand like, Hey man, we're, we're like, we're kind of eating some hours up doing that. We're about to not be profitable. And this is why, and this is so, or just telling people why you wanted them to do it a certain way, you know, be like, Hey man, I, I really wanted that side of the project dug first because of this and this. And I always kind of relate it to, to the numbers because that's what we're here for. If we're not profitable, if we're not making money, I'm not making payroll. I'm not making, I'm, I'm scaling back. I'm doing, I'm, I'm, it's not good. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. um, I, I really love to, to develop people and use that as one of the gauge items to, to be like, Hey man, we're, it's about the money. We're, we're going to make sure we're making the margins we need to make. And also giving him the freedom to look back and knowing that he's costing, he's starting to cost some money and be like, Hey man, look, look, look at what this project did. We were 20 man hours over on that line item or, the, or that section of the job, you know, and, and I wasn't going to say anything cause I want you to learn. So I've, I'm a, I'm a big believer in, in hiring character and then building the skill. Yeah. So especially being young, you know, I'm, I'm, I just turned 29. I started my company when I'm, I was 25 and all my employees are young, mid twenties or lower. And so we're just a bunch of young guys trying to, trying to make it and trying to do the best we can. So it's been, but that's been a huge proponent or a huge piece of the puzzle for me is being able to take, you know, we run some softwares that lets us pretty quickly dissect a job and, and be able to like up to date, you know, this is how many hours are on it. So we got some technology that we've, implemented so we've been able to do that but it's it's been really helpful helping people understand either like a sense of urgency to complete a, a job or a line item or the job or a section of it or to to be able to go back and reflect on it and be like man we really screwed that up <laughs> if we're going to do more work like that we need to be better at, at least you know my my side of the things estimating it yeah so. yeah it's and and I see this all the time online with people's comments, like, well, why are you using that machine? It's like, well, this is the machine that makes, it makes sense financially. It's like, yeah, could a different machine do it better than this particular machine? Absolutely. But well, maybe this machine's already paid for and we had it sitting in the yeah. yard. Like, why wouldn't we use this one? Because we can make more money using this one than the right machine. Like a lot of times yeah. and, and people just don't, I always, I always it's so simple. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, give me 200 grand to go buy that thing and I'll, I'll use the hell out of it. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. No, but, I don't, I don't have the cash flow to go buy that machine. No. I have that one. That's, yes. That's why I want to use that one. Yeah. <laughs> it, it just drives but, me nuts. These people don't get it. But then at the same time, like you almost can't blame them because they haven't been taught by the companies they've worked for how the money works within the business, which I think like yeah. as a business owner, that should be your obligation, especially on, on the construction side of things to just educate these guys on how the money flows through a job. Because yep. I guarantee you, you will be more profitable if that happens. Yeah, it's a driving factor. Yeah, I and like to, to make it to make it not a, a weird, dirty conversation. We should, uh, you know, like 
when my guys come into work and they park on the lineup, I want them to park on the lineup with nice rigs. You know, I want them to represent themselves well. I want them to be able to take care of their families well. I want everybody, I want to make money, but I want everybody to, to level up as I level up the company as we get more lucrative jobs. You know, that's that's my main thing as a, an employer, especially being seasonal. You know, I want to, if they choose to be seasonal, that they make enough money to take the time off during the winter. Yeah. Or or same, same with me. It's like, you know, I don't want to work 120 hours a week every week out of the year and, and go crazy. I want to be able to enjoy it as well. But it's been it's been really good, you know, kind of getting that just just straight business with the money. This is the numbers. This is what the company's making. This is what you guys are making. As soon as we get to here, you know, I, I like to try and dreamcast a little bit and be like, hey, man, the, the goal of the company is not to be a small company it's it's to be a a really big player in alaska yeah and if we do that and you're the you're a a project manager you know you're looking at a good low to mid six figure salary in five years that's what i want for you and that's what i want for my company yeah and so it's it's always been about the money (laughs) and I, i think like two things have happened in society that have have steered everyone away from talking about the money one you have these big corporations that are just hell bent on profitability and screwing people to do it, which has Mm -hmm. really skewed things on one side. And then you have a political movement on the other side, basically saying anyone that makes money is the, the devil. And it's like, well, no, 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 no. Like you can make a lot of money while still doing really good things. Like if your company makes more money, if you make more money, your people make more money, you get nicer equipment, you can do bigger and better jobs, you can better, you can build better products for your customers, so your customers are more successful, and then you're giving more money to your vendors, and then everyone becomes more successful because you have more money. That's how it yeah. should be. It's not like you're there just trying to maximize profits for yourself and screwing everyone else. Like That's not how business should be long-term, I don't think. Yeah. And then, you know, like you brought up a good point, like for... For us, the jobs we want to get into and the jobs we've been blessed enough to get into this year being such a weird year, it just it takes it takes capital. Yeah. And as you build your company, like, you know, not only did I build my company from rock bottom from, you know, losing losing a job, I built it from rock bottom because I, I really screwed up my old credit score. Nice. So you know, I've literally had to self fund this whole step of the way. And then, you know, we got into some projects this year that you know, took every ounce of saving I had. Luckily, I, I was in a position to rely on some relationships to get a little bit more capital. I had to raise a bunch of money to, to get the jobs to break into that next level, you know. And, and, and so for us, that's kind of why I want to get away from the, the landscaping and stuff like that because I've proven that I can make X amount, but it's not fast enough and it's not lucrative enough to break into the next level of contracts, you know, yeah. the, the mid tier jobs that are, are going to really make, start making our, uh, making really good money for us. And so like this last, Oh, six weeks has just been just bonkers, man. We, we had a project that kept getting pushed, had a ton of administration stuff. I probably have like close to 200 hours in the office, just doing um, submittals and change orders and, you know, all this stuff before they'd even give us a contract and a notice to proceed and it just log jammed us into this bottleneck of six weeks of just frenzy. And, uh, you know, one of the bad things about bigger jobs is usually it means bigger net terms. <laughs> and so yep. we, we, 
you just have to politely ask, hey, man, this invoice is 27 days overdue. What about that check, you know? And yeah. so yeah. We, we've just been – and then it's – the money's and then it's really stressful because you've got this amazing accounts receivable but this really terrible account balance in your in your business checking. Yep. And so it's just been – I'll just just survival mode the last couple couple weeks. We got a lot of money coming in, but man, we're we're super broke right now. That's for well, sure. And, so and that's been like the story of my life over the past two years. You see what you're owed. So you've seen all the invoices you've sent out saying, "Hey, you, we you owe us this money. Can you please pay us?" So you you see the list, and it's just a big ass dollar amount, huge dollar amount. But then there's nothing in your account, and it's like everyone doesn't give a shit how much you're owed. They give a shit how much money you have because they want yep. your money and the money you're owed does them no good. So it's yep. it's so frustrating <laughs> to look at this list of all the money that you're the- in theory supposed to have in your account, but you don't. And then all these people are still asking for their money. And it's like, man, this just sucks. Like, come on. And and then yeah. you're, you're playing banker in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's weird that that bigger jobs are those bigger jobs. It's just the way it is. The, and the bigger the client, the worse they are. Yeah, you know, we get into some oil field stuff that they're net ninety yeah. or longer. Yeah, and that's um, I mean, those jobs a lot of times they cost big money. So it's been a learning curve, man. And that's the kind of work we want to get into. So it's it's what we got to do. I mean, that's where the money is, like profitability wise, and it's what's going to fuel our growth. But to get there has been a just a monumentous task, man. Just just three years you know, four seasons straight of just every single day, seven days a week, more hours than I've ever worked, more stress than I've ever had. But luckily I'm, I'm a glutton for punishment or something. I, I, I love it every day. So, so how did you, and I know I, I forgot about your fiance doing the dental program. How did you guys manage to do that while you were busting your ass with the company? Dude, I'm just soup one. I'm just super blessed to have a, an amazing partner. She's helped me every step of the way, been a cheerleader, been, you know, everything you need from a partner. So it's kind of funny to, to, to relate things via the social medias. I hit up a, a random dude named Ryan Goodfellow one time oh, about a, 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 something he was doing on a job. And he, he ended up messaging me back. He's like, oh, you're from Soldat, Alaska, the town I'm from. He's like, I'm, I'm actually going to be up there in a couple months. And I was like, oh, dude, totally hit me up. I'll I'll take you all the secret spots. You know, obviously, Alaska, is, I mean, we'll, we'll get you up here one day, but it, it just speaks for itself. It's just gorgeous yeah. everywhere you look. And it's yeah. so darn big. Here, I'll show you around, whatever you guys do, if you got time. And so I ended up meeting Ryan that way. And then right after he came up is when Jenny got accepted into a school for dental, dental hygiene. They're kind of, there's only a couple hundred programs, you know, and they're really hard to get into. Our Alaska program gets 900 to 1,000 applicants, and they accept 8 to 10. You Holy know? So smokes. She kind of just had to go wherever to, to get her career started. She ended up getting into a great school, but it was it's an hour and a half south of Ryan. So wow. with the oil field, the way they do it, it's in a remote camp that they actually own the least so they they have their own airline that flies you to work yeah and so you do a rotation so that would be what i did in the winter yeah so i did a rotation of two weeks straight in a man camp and then you fly home and you have two weeks off mm-hmm. so on my two weeks off i just went down to utah and hung out with her and 
I've worked with Ryan a little bit and actually, you know, I'm blessed to know Ryan. He's been a, a fantastic friend, his whole family. And, you know, I, I ended up just spending most of my time riding snowmobiles in Wyoming and that was okay by me. But <laughs> so, but during the summer, man, whatever little break she had, we'd fly her up here just cause I was so busy. I, I couldn't really get away. And that was a, a big learning curve. As the company grows, you have to be able to delegate and give things tax for other people to do because I want to be able to take a week off and not come back to like bankruptcy or or something drastic, you know, and be able to actually enjoy myself. So during those stages, I I was not doing that. I was trying to do everything, every last thing, and it was just kind of overwhelming. So Jenny, bless her heart, she would come up whenever she could. And then during the winter, I ended up spending, you know, every two weeks I was down there in Utah. Her school was two and a half, right under two years. So we lived, we lived in Utah for two years, but lucky to have her and have her be understanding that, you know, my, my company was growing and thriving in Alaska. I had to be in Alaska. And that meant eight, 10 weeks plus a couple months at a time, not being able to see each other. And, and, uh, luckily we, we did it with pretty much no no issues it but went by really quick and she's moved back and has been back for a year working full-time with the the career she loves so it was but it was hard because you're building two dreams at once i mean it's no secret yeah going to school i mean i don't know how people afford to go to school yeah and you know you just even aside from student loans like just the housing the living a life with I mean, it was such a demanding program. She had absolutely no way to, to, to make any money. She had no way to have a job. So we kind of foot the bill the whole time, paid for as much as we could for out of pocket. But that meant I I still don't really take a wage. I do a little bit just because my accountant yells at me <laughs> um, and uh, tells me that the sacrifice, uh, the IRS doesn't care. Yeah. That you're sacrificing your, what you would be making. So, you know, I, I was really... I took no money from the company and the, and the money that I did take, you know, my quote unquote salary was, was almost a hundred percent used up for Jenny going to school. And then I would, I would just bust my ass even harder every day to try and make it work. And then, you know, I, I, the oil field is really lucrative for job wise. So I would go up and that's kind of where I would make my salary for the year was, was the four or five months that I worked in the oil field. So I mean, what's, what's life working for the oil companies like, like what's been a, like life in a man camp and all that. Cause I've seen it a little bit. I haven't lived it and it is, that is a brutal lifestyle, but you make a lot of money. It, uh, it all depends on the people you work with, man. I've done it for so long. I don't miss people. I don't care. I get in a mentality. I'm there for a job. I'm there to work. I know it's temporary, but they do an awesome job of trying to, create you know just kind of like be your brother's keeper people look out for you most of the time the camps are extremely comfortable it's uh, pretty rare i've been in some really really crappy camps but that's kind of like the wildcat little oil companies doing weird little stuff in the middle of nowhere that nobody would even think to do kind of deal the established oil fields are really nice camps most of the time they're just like a little crappy hotel room you know you've got your own little shower or or a shower area kind of deal. The food's always great. They uh, probably too great. 
they do have gyms, but almost nobody uses them. I can imagine. Yeah. So you yep. can eat pretty healthy, but they just, it's like, <laughs> it's straight up comfort food. Yeah. So you got to be a little bit careful. You put up, put on, put on some pounds up there, but for the most part, they take really, really good care of you. You know, they're super, I mean, it, it's a two hour flight. So it's on the very, most of the oil activity is on the very top of the state, very north. Uh, the climate is horrendous. Yep. Um, they never put oil in like tropical places. It seems. Yeah. They always put them yeah. in deserts and you know, freaking. I mean, we had, we had three weeks straight that was negative sixty five ambient. So nothing works in negative sixty five ambient. Even, oh. like they'll they'll take a like a tractor trailer that has been set up allegedly by Kenworth or whatever company provided it with their Arctic package. And then as things fail, they just replace them with stuff that actually works like hoses and seals and just everything. Nothing should work. I mean, metal gets so brittle. One time I ripped a tailgate off a truck, just opening it because the the tailgate just disintegrated. Wow. Like it's uh, the environment is just, is just gnarly, man. It's, it's pretty cool to experience it, but the things that they can get done in those temperatures in those places is just, it's just astounding, man. So are you, is that, is that North of the Arctic circle? Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. And yeah, so very, very I mean, top of, do they top work up there in the winter? Year round. That's when they do most of the work. So really, really cool, really cool facet about the slope. And that's why I was so busy in the winter is they, they build ice roads. So yeah. what they do is they take, they take an asphalt, like an asphalt zipper, like an attachment for like a loader or something. They, mm-hmm. they create ice chips, you know, pretty much just like, chipped aggregate out of ice and so they go they do one stage called pioneering where they take water and snow and like you know like articulated trucks and loaders and big you know water wagons and stuff and they they pretty much just create they fill up all the holes and then they take those ice chips and water in a grater and they grade out the ice chips and build whatever thickness they need and then they pave it with water as it freezes so it takes it takes uh, a million gallons of water to make one mile of ice road. Wow. And, then, and I mean, they, and there's no laws up there for moving stuff. Yeah. So they'll move a million and a half pound rig structures with these huge sow oil field trucks, you know, and it's 38 feet wide and it's 65 foot tall and it's, it's moving at no miles per hour and you're stuck behind it. It always works that way. But the things they do up there and they'll move it across those ice, they'll move it across, you know, floating ice bridges that are 28 foot thick of ice. Cause some engineer told you that's how thick it needs to be. And it's, it's Whoa. absolutely wild, but that's how they get to all the exploration areas. Cause it, it literally does no damage to the tundra or the, to, to anything because they, it's just covered in this security blanket of ice. So most of the time the slope gets super, super busy with oil field exploration during the winter. So they have to move everything pretty much in the winter. Yeah, they do all the exploration, which is the big part, right? Yeah. I mean, because oil wells, you can only do so much before it it just doesn't produce as much or or anything. Yeah. And so the exploration is huge. It's it's the biggest part of their their budget. You know, is finding new oil in new places. And uh, what's what's the money money like up there? I mean, how much money do you make in a season? So it depends on what you do. I had at one point kind of thought about pursuing this career. So on operations, so the guy that like 
manages the plants and then gets the oil out of the ground from like the well sites or something or manages they have to separate it right because the way oil works is it's they blanket it with they'll inject a well with water and gas and then bring those three things up water oil and gas and it'll go into a pipeline into a separation facility and then they'll ship the good or the oil after it's been separated so there's people that control that process and those guys can make you know just as an operator you can make 150 to 200,000 a year and then as some of the contracts like you know being like the maintenance and stuff it's pretty easy to make uh, low six figures on the in the oil field working six months out of the year doing that two and two schedule but wow and there there's obviously there's jobs you always hear about them some dude is on some day rate for 3800 a day or something because yeah. he, he knows more than god about that certain subject but yeah. there's always those I haven't found one of those jobs, but there's always those rumors saying, oh, guy's making $2,800 a day to the point fingers, you know, but there's a lot, a lot of money. But then you start breaking it down. I mean, if you've got a good barrel of oil price, you know, some of those, one of those wells, I mean, for what was it, 200 days or something, it produced 30 to 40,000 barrels a day. You start doing some calculations on that. You just, you Oil field doesn't mess around, man. There's there's money in it. There's obvious money in it, but so why not um, why not just keep working there? Is there a shelf life to it? I mean, it's that's no. a pretty harsh lifestyle. No, it's great. It's actually really good. I mean, because they it's all safety. If you think safety in a mine is crazy, the safety in an oil field is yeah insane. Yeah, I've seen so that. Yeah. It's it's all everything's that it's almost to a fault. Everything's hey man, take it easy. We're we're here to we're here to get you home in one piece and in better shape than you were when you came to work. Mm -hmm. So they have a huge, huge initiative for safety. Everything. It's just, it's over the top. It's just crazy. And it's almost debilitating sometimes on, on the things they make you go through just to get the job done kind of deal. But no, it's so, so the weather, you know, you can't be in, if it's 50 below, you can only have exposed flesh for five minutes or you're getting frostbite. So, it, there's a lot of precautions, you know, warm ups and slow. So it's actually, it's a really good lifestyle. Be, and also because you get that, those two weeks off, you get to take off half the year. You can go wherever you want. A lot of those guys, especially if you work like a three and three, they'll, they'll live anywhere in the United States. I know people that have lived in Ireland and S- South America and, and they'll, they'll negotiate to work four and four. So they'll work four weeks on four weeks off and they'll live wherever they want. So, but reason why I didn't is because no offense to anybody that does work for somebody for wages is if you really want to make something out of yourself or you really want to build something, in my opinion, you can't do it working for wages. Yeah. If the attraction to entrepreneurship is that there is no limit on what I can do for myself and for my company. I can literally, you know, how many stories do you, do you hear about one of the largest contractor companies you can think of in your town was started by some dude in the fifties or, you know, and it was a family run business until they got into this market and they just blew up. So Mm -hmm. that's one of the main attractions for entrepreneurship is, is it doesn't care who you are, what you are, what you did, what you plan on doing. You can literally make it anything you want. And so I was always, that was just, that was it. That was it for me. I was always moving towards then, just didn't know when or how or where or what. So I, you know, I could very easily have a very 
comfortable oil field job and make my living and go to work and have security and know when my paychecks are coming and well there's as much security as the oil field can give you yeah yeah <laughs> if you've been in the oil field long enough you've been laid off a couple times but well in that the yeah in oil when it's good it's really good and when it's not oh, good yeah. it's really not good like they just turn oh. the faucet on and off on and off on yeah. and off yeah you go from like you know, safety meetings and everybody gets iPads too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 700 people lay off, you know, like <laughs> within the same calendar year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it is like once you realize you're only really limited to what you can imagine and picture, it starts to get even more exciting. Like anything becomes possible and you start to think of all these ridiculous things you can do. And you're like, well, why can't I do it? Like, I, shit, absolutely. I can, I can go do this ridiculous xyz thing and we're starting to get into that part of our business where we have a little bit more money to play around with things and to make more ridiculous things happen which is really exciting because it's like wow okay like i'm really just limited to my mind on this one if anything else like it really is just a limit of what i can imagine in my head and then from there you can just make it into reality it's going to take a while but it's going to take a lot of work but it's very much possible yeah, one of my favorite things about owning a contracting company is like, you know, this year's no secret. A lot of people have been hard up or or had issues, but there's been opportunities this year. We, we, we've been, uh, it was a little scary at the beginning. I didn't have a single project for 2020 on the books um, until the last couple of days of April. And Whoa. then we just went, we just slammed it 12 weeks out. Like wow. there was no, there was like, I was like, man, I don't even know if I, I have a job. I don't know if I'm going to have to go you know do as much and then obviously the oil field was just decimated there was not really any options there yeah. i was kind of worried i was like man i don't know how this season's gonna go and then i don't i don't know what happened it's just like a light switch man we just we just went crazy busy but and i brought up arte syndicate i was accepted into that it's you know you got to apply for it and it kind of got my mojo back right because i'd been i'd still was paying for that that bad year and i i'd really I'd really lost the motivation and the drive to be a, just to be a killer. You know, mm-hmm. I was just getting by, I was doing everything I could. Um, you know, I had some depression and then I just had some, uh, look for the right word, but just, uh, self-sabotage pretty much, you know, like just feeling like, you know, that's kind of what I deserved was to get my ass kicked like that mm-hmm. and, uh, not feeling worthy for my own success. And then, I really got fired back up in June and really was just like, you know what, this is the year to just kind of go for broke. So we started, you know, out of the two, two really big prop to us, really big projects we got, I bid 15 of them, you know, and it was really close. We actually had one project in town that was like contracts were going to get signed on Tuesday and Monday night, they changed their mind and went with a different general. So obviously a different subcontractor. And, you know, like we, we had some really close and some really cool projects that we almost had and learning that, you know, we, we bid on some government work and because of coronavirus, you had to have your profile completed in SAM.gov. Well, of course, so-and-so that up, updates your Duns and Bradstreet street address is on Corona. And so yep. it takes two to three weeks for them to update their system, which just compound effects. So we missed the project just because our street address was wrong and Dunn's and Brad street. And it's, you know, and I love that wrong. And, the, yeah. <laughs> wrong and it's like, the, dude, coronavirus, 
Well, coronavirus has nothing to do with you updating this. And yet, like, that's yeah. the go-to. Like, well, it's just, yeah. it's the coronavirus. Well, how was I supposed to update this on the computer? I mean, I would. Yeah. Uh, and uh... The, this year, <laughs> like, the Arate and then just Andy and Ed overall, like, they put a lot of amazing stuff out just on the internet oh, in general. Life-changing. It, like, it, it, well, Andy, I mean, largely is why I started the business in the first place. And I've listened to him for four or five years now since he started his podcast. But this year in particular, they really got me going and, and they really helped me keep my head clear since the very beginning, since March, when everything started to go downhill, because they yeah. were basically like, listen, guys, this is the time to go into attack mode because everyone else is now just hanging out. Like every, everyone's just sitting on the sidelines. They're just waiting. And now's the time to pounce. And it's like, whoa, yeah, absolutely. I need to go pounce. I need to go on attack. Like, let's go do this because while everyone else is standing still, we can run even faster. And then whenever you get out of this, whenever that is, you're going to be so much further ahead than you would have what than you would have been if it had never happened. And then it just it's allowed me too to sit and reevaluate my business. Like, hey, how exposed are we? Like, because this could have been catastrophic. It it killed a lot of businesses. And if I wasn't in the business I'm in, like if I was a restaurant working on the cash I had on hand at the time, I would have been I would have been done. Like there's no way in hell I would have made it through. So that was another wake up call for me. Like, whoa, I need to be more responsible as far as the business, the health of the business overall, because something can just come along that you have no control over and wipe you out tomorrow. And I don't want that to happen. So they're like the clarity they were able to provide me over the past six months has been so worth just so much money and I, I can't even quantify how much it's actually been worth. Oh yeah, dude. So Jenny went from having a schedule that was seven months out. You know, if, if we had if we wanted to go take a vacation, we had to do it seven plus months away. Whoa. Because she was that booked in in one of the offices she works for. Yeah. And she went from that to not working for 45 days straight. Wow. And so, and that was all in the beginning of the year, obviously because she's in medical and, 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 and that kind of field and stuff. So same thing. And then it, it did the same thing to me. It, it fired me up. I started, I was just like, this is the year to go for broke. Yeah. If this year could potentially break me, then this is the year to go for broke. Yeah. yeah. So we started bidding some, you know, my, my vision for my company is the company that does the really weird stuff. You know, I, I love, I love the state of Alaska, how big it is. And I love being like, okay, we're going to go do this job. We did a job 500 miles from the shop. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we did some, and then I randomly, a friend of mine sent me a a snapshot of a job that was posted on, you know, like a a solicitation board. And it was uh, like redecking wooden bridges. And I was like, I'll look into it. And They'll pay for you to fly over and look at it. And I'm like, okay, I'm just going to at least go look at it. Well, we ended up getting a contract. And to date, it's by far the best contract we've ever gotten. We just finished up, you know, the first phase of it. And, uh, you know, I'm not a bridge builder. But in year 2020, Corona land, I'm a bridge builder. Yeah, you know? I'm yeah. doing whatever I can to, to better myself and my company. And I'm aggressively going for things. And it's been a lifesaver for me just getting my my mojo back and getting back in, into aggressive, you know, I'm, I'm a huge dreamer and I want huge things for my company. Mm-hmm. I want huge things for my company. I don't want to be a five, 10 guy organization. I want to be, you know, like I want to be the contractor in Alaska yeah. in 15 years. Yeah. And so for, for me, that's the way I started 
was just complete hair on fire, ready to take on the world. And then two years of just kind of moping almost. And then now, now we're back to hair on fire. So it's been 2020, you know, knock on wood has been a, it has been a fantastic year for our business. I know a lot of people haven't been as fortunate, but I think a lot of it has just been my drive and my will to succeed or to make this company succeed. You know, it's just, that's all it is. is I just didn't take no for an answer. And we, we started developing different contracts and relationships that have been really great for us. But It is amazing how careful you have to be though on the mental side of things and how carefully you have to manage it because it can slide away very quickly and that impacts everybody. That doesn't, it just impact you anymore. And in, in your salary and your company, it's everyone below you, everyone depending on the company. It also impacts them. Like you need to be so hyper aware of where you're at mentally and really take care of yourself mentally or else other people suffer as a result, which is the crazy thing yeah. about it. Especially like the leadership, you know, being the, being the face, being the, the driving factor behind the success of the company or the success of your people, everything starts and stops with you. Yeah. And that was obviously our, our major setbacks had other people involved, but at the end of the day, it was a hundred percent my responsibility. Mm Mm-hmm. And you have to accept that. And like you said, like it's always, it's always changing and always becoming something different. There's always different factors to it. And you have to be really in tune to that because it's just, it comes, it's, I don't even call it a trickle down. It's like a waterfall, man. It just, it comes from you and then just smashes the people underneath you. Yeah. And so you can either smash them with positivity and growth or you can smash them with negativity and poor me's and, or just bad attitudes. And it just, it can, you know, bad attitudes are cancer or bad outlooks are cancer. And it just infects every last little crevice of what you're trying to create and do. And a lot of people don't realize that. And a lot of people don't um, do anything to mitigate it. Like I'm blessed to have employees and people that work for me and work with me that love what they do. They love working for us. They love wearing an RBE logo and they they do their job with pride because of it, and uh, it's just a lot of people don't realize that as the guy you just drive all of it. So yeah, yeah. just especially what this, the failures, and then being big enough to to just keep moving forward with you know positivity. It took me a little bit, but we're back to that. But it's been pretty crazy a couple of years. It's been crazy twenty twenty. Why do Looks you, like it's just getting crazier too. Uh, uh, well, but that's a uh, <laughs> different story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm now, I'm now convinced. Like the more, the crazier, the better, because there's just in in craziness, there's so much more opportunity than when everything's going oh, yeah. so well for everybody. And there's just been like there's there's opportunity everywhere I look now, which just caused by all the chaos and confusion. So if you can be the guy just operating with your head straight. And seeing, you know, seeing forward, seeing the big picture, acting, not not being, not giving into the fear, being paralyzed by it, you can just gobble up so much so quickly compared to good times when everyone's fat, dumb, and happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it takes a, it takes a, a grit. You know, it takes, it takes getting punched in the mouth and just loving it and just looking for that. Like I've, and that's why I've been successful in my personal career before I started my company and everything is I just have zero fear on challenges and opportunities. Yeah. Um, I just hundred percent head first. I'll figure it out. You know, 
I'll, I'll build the plane on the way, on the way down kind of mentality. And it's, it's worked really well for me so far, I guess. Why do you, why do you share so much on social media? Cause I've always liked following you because you, you do talk about estimates and you do show kind of the behind the scenes of the company. What's, what's the point in doing all that? Transparency. It's one of my core values in my company is transparent. I, I like to, I always say, you know, if you go to a professional, it's, you're doing it because you don't know how to do it or you don't have the time to do it. Yeah. And if, if somebody doesn't know how to do it, I like to give that snapshot into why we're doing it, why it costs that much, or and also like lead to discussions like this is the way we're doing it. If you guys have a better idea, like on social media especially, dude, hit me in the DM. Let me know. Like We do a lot of stuff too that I always make the joke. A lot of our hardscape stuff we didn't know how to do so i i like literally would get a job and like look it up on youtube yeah and be like like we'd be like we're like oh yeah this is like the eighth patio we've built yeah and then i'm like looking up how to like make a cut against a, a hard you know like <laughs> so so um with the transparency thing on on social media i just want to be a hundred percent authentic and i want to be able mostly i want to be like approachable i want people to be able to like my social media isn't anything big. It, it definitely could be down the road, but just having the opportunity to learn from people or have other people chime in or people, if they're interested and they see me, I'm young, I'm doing, I'm, you know, creating a company. If, if they want to do that own, go down that route, I didn't have anywhere to look really. And obviously every company is different. Every situation is different, but I just want to have something for somebody to reference and be able to, you know the estimating i didn't know how to estimate a job so i just winged it and then i got a bunch of jobs and it was kind of weird because i got a bunch of jobs but i didn't have a bunch of money yeah and so i'm like okay well i only want to get probably half of the jobs i estimate you know i don't i don't want to get everyone you know yeah there's a joke that there's two homeless guys sitting on a bench and one asked the other he's like you know how did you end up here he's like oh i had you know, some traumatic brain injuries and, and bad relationships and drugs and stuff. And he goes, how'd you get up here? And he goes, I was the lowest bidder for three years in a row. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so you, you don't want to be the lowest bidder. And, and uh, hopefully you got somebody like myself to kind of to look at and, and be able to reference. Does it, does it scare you to be so transparent? Nah, I dare you to try to do what I'm doing. So I don't care, man. You can start a company. You can start a company next door. I'm still going to kick your ass. So yeah, I, that's that's the way I am. It's taken a long time to build the confidence, but I know what we can do. I know what the the, the quality we can turn out. I know I know that if we aren't doing something right, we're not the people that cut corners. We're not the people that screw people over or do something half-assed. We're we're going to do it a hundred percent. And I don't even care if it costs me money. I will mm -hmm. do it right. Yeah. Um. So if you want to try and do what I'm doing. I'm going to support you because one, there's enough work for both of us. And two, I dare you to be as good as me. Uh, a lot of people think they can do it. I just, and they'll, they'll, they'll realize pretty quick. I mean, more power to the people that try because that's, that's three quarters of the battle is just trying, but dude, a lot of people crash and burn. So I've seen it quite a bit now. Yeah. And it, and it does take a lot of confidence to put yourself out there like that and just be confident in what you are bringing to the market and delivering and the, and the work you're putting in and they just be able to say like, man, even if someone wanted to go after me, like I, I know what I'm putting in here. I just don't like, they, they couldn't like I, I I'm, 
And it's not, it's not even a, an arrogance thing. It's just having the confidence to know that what you're doing is more valuable than the next guy and, mm-hmm. and doubling down on it, I think is the key there. Yeah. Oh God. Well, man, a phone call. I know it's uh, I know it's Sunday and, and if you're like me, you're working today. Are you working today? Well, I worked all night. Oh, that's right. Count. Yeah. Yeah. That, that I definitely took counts. Little, took a little nap, got refreshed. Yeah. Got on the old Fieldwood podcast. Oh, good grief! But no, no, it's it's never done. That's uh, you know, I should probably go home and hang out with my dogs and my Jenny. But I'm kind of a workaholic, so I'll probably do some working and get yelled at for it. <laughs> it's a blessing and a curse. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I know the lifestyle well. Well, how can uh, how can people follow along? Speaking of social media. Um, Social media is at Rock Bottom Enterprises is our company page. Facebook, we're not on LinkedIn, even though everybody tells me I should be. Um, but mostly, mostly Instagram, and mostly because I just like I, I really just like photos. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's why Instagram is my favorite as yeah. photos, and and then it's also my, one of the, the great things about Instagram and the construction in general is you know I have a background in like motorsports and stuff like that too. You you try and talk to a guy with a large following in motorsports and they don't get back to you. I've got some great relationships with, you know, some of the, the, the big who's who on the Instagram scene. And it all started just by asking simple questions and they get back to you and then meeting them and, and, you know, triple dimensions or, or like we went to con expo this year and going to those kind of things and, and being able to make those uh, friendships through Instagram. That's why it's my favorite platform, but yeah, Instagram's a big one. Anytime anybody has a question for me, I would love to answer it back or, or just, I love connecting with people through that. So like-minded people. Love it. All right, Terry. I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. I kind of, I've, I've, uh, I wanted to be on here. I love what you do as a company. I love seeing you do the things you're doing in the, the direction you're going. And I'm just happy to be able to be a small part of it. Hopefully we can do it in another couple of years and, talk about where we are then yeah yeah it should uh if everything goes well or even if it doesn't go well we'll be in a hell of a lot different spots than we are now that's the goal at least yep, yep. and then uh just for anybody going through some hard times or 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 whatever just look back on the things you've already accomplished and and uh you know that's one thing if i could tell anybody anything is to look back on what you used to think you couldn't do and what you've done especially us, the things we've been able to come through, uh, just fuels me to, to know that whatever lies ahead, I, I'm just going to kick its ass. So, Love it. Love Great, it, man. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks for being our first Alaska guest. Congratulations. Dude, and if anybody else wants to do it, good luck. <laughs> Alaska's my, that's my state. Yeah. I'll visit <laughs> you one of these days. I'd love to come up there. Oh, dude, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, so a little little there is a project coming up in a couple years that it's going to be the biggest biggest civil project in alaska and it will have the biggest free spanning bridge in the state which 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 project is that it's a redirect for a road it's going to go there's a really treacherous section of highway really scenic section and they're going to move it way up the way up the road or way up the mountainside it's a it's a big deal it's probably better part of a billion dollar project has it been awarded yet 
No, they've, they've started working on it. They've started doing the clearing and the geotechnical. It's most likely not going to go to bid. It's probably going to, it's big enough project. It's probably, it's a short list of people that can yeah, do it. Yeah. Yeah. But, All right. Well, uh, yeah, yeah. I'll come up to see that and stop by your place. And yeah, if anybody wants to reach out and come fishing, just let me know. Oh, geez, don't tell me that. I'll, I'll be. It up, is I'll cheap. It's a lot tomorrow. cheaper than you think. I know. It's just the time, right? I know. It's just the time. <laughs> yeah, the time is what's not cheap. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Mister Derry. I will uh, catch you later. And I guess that concludes another episode of the Dirt Talk podcast. Thanks for listening as always. If you got something from it, please share it with someone else. I've been loving seeing the growth of everything. Again, last month was our our biggest month ever, um, and I'm not doing a whole lot to promote it. It's really thanks to you guys, so I appreciate you listening. It's been wild to see all the the, the feedback and um, see the growth of it. So with that, uh, we'll see you on the next one.